0: Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by. So grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I'm Marcy Farrell from thankfulhomemaker.com. And we are on episode 39 here at the podcast, and it's number six in our marriage series. And it's a topic that I think is most important in our marriages, and it's how we communicate. If you're new to this marriage series, I'd love you to go back and check out the other episodes. Um, In the first one, we talked about God's design for our marriages, and in that one, we also talked about our role as women. The next one, we talked about loving our husbands and then respecting our husbands, we had two episodes on submission, and one of those had my husband on as a guest where he talked about the theology of submission, and then the next week I took it and looked at the practical what submission is and what it isn't. And so today we're on a topic that I really, really loved digging into because this was good for me. They've all been good for me. It's It was on communication This was a hard one for me to break down because there's so much that can be covered, so I divided this into three areas. Um, The first area was listening, and then our daily conversations, and lastly, dealing with conflict. And as always, I am sharing a lot of resources in the show notes, so you can dig in. Where maybe there are areas of weakness or you'd like to read a little bit more whatever it might be in um, helps that you need on communication in your marriage and then i want to make a little note here <clears throat> i get a, and it's so sweet i get a lot of emails about a podcast for our husbands done by my husband <laughs> so it was kind of fun to have him on here a couple weeks ago and i'm going to be honest ladies there is nothing in the works on that just because of my Doug and his busy work schedule. He travels a lot and he he owns his own business, so there's just a lot that's entailed there. But I would love to have Doug back on the podcast again soon. And I shared last week for you guys to shoot us some ideas if you had any. But since then, we've been talking about maybe a question and answer series that we do together a couple of times a year so if you have any questions you'd like to ask us about marriage or really anything um because we're going to screen them okay but anyways (laughs) please shoot them to me you can use my contact form um on the blog at thankfulhomemaker.com it's up in that you can see the little email area on the the upper right hand corner of the blog um also you can uh, i'll throw up probably a few threads on it in the thankful homemaker facebook group and it's a closed group so um, but you can find it it's searchable so come and join us there and I'll, I'll put a link to the group in the show notes too so if you're on facebook and you haven't joined our little community yet we would love you to. it's really a great place to be encouraged the ladies and there are so good and they're probably more active than i am but they're just such a sweet little group to watch um everybody praying for one another and giving guidance and on marriage situations, homekeeping, goal setting, our time in the Word, all different kinds of things. So it's been a sweet little group, and I've enjoyed when I get in there to just communicate and chat with the ladies so our topic of marital communication today this is another long one <laughs> and this marriage series is is longer but i'm when i'm done with this series i'm going to probably go back to more of that 30-ish minutes on the podcast but again i just wanted to keep it in one episode because it flows well so you know you always have that wonderful pause option on your podcast app so and if you're looking for all the posts and podcasts in this series just check out the categories on my sidebar at the blog if there's check it out in the drop down menu and click on the marriage series i've been trying to share blog posts during this series that go along with the podcasts to further your time and growing in these very areas i can't even speak here various areas of our marriages so when you get a moment if you haven't yet check out yesterday's blog post which has in it six biblical principles for open communication in our marriages and it also has 12 practical suggestions for developing and maintaining good marital communications and i'll link to that too obviously and as always because i love to share solid resources with you and we'll continue to do that um again the show notes are a great place to check out and because if you listen to the podcast from an app I don't put the complete show notes in the podcast description. I probably can. I just feel like it's so long. So you need to head to the blog at thankfulhomemaker.com and click on the podcast show notes to find them and then again I'm going to just ask this at the beginning here also if this podcast has been a help to you if you could please please just take a couple minutes to leave a review wherever you listen to the podcast at it really helps other Christian women to find it and has been such a blessing so thank you so much ladies for doing that and then I'm getting there but one last quick side note before we get started so as much as this podcast today is for our communication within our marriages and i know that that is the ear you're going to be listening with ladies this really pertains to our communication with everyone as as i was studying and working through it it's our spouses our um our children our friends other family members believers and non-believers in our lives all right so communication is a huge part of our lives together we share all of life together in our marriages and home should be a place where we are able to be vulnerable and able to share really anything with one another and let me say first that while on this earth our speech will never be perfect we are going to mess up in our communication with one another because that's just the reality of it we are fallen sinful humans we will have at times unkind words that spew from our mouths we may find ourselves shocked but the reality is what is on the inside <clears throat> comes out so the hope today is that we'll begin to see how we can begin to develop an environment of grace in our homes as we learn to listen better respond lovingly and deal with conflict in a way that we're able to reflect christ even in times of disagreement So when we hear the word communicate speaking is probably the first thing that comes into our minds but to be a good communicator we need to listen well and with humility we begin listening well to god by listening to his word this is where it starts in our relationship even with one another so i think about this how often do you love it when you find that friend who is a good listener there are lots of talkers out there but not too many good listeners and from my own experience, I've been the listener who's thinking what to say when the other person's talking, and I've been the listener who already knows what the person is going to say. So sometimes I even kind of shut down because I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I, I got this. <clears throat> I've been the listener who isn't listening at all, and I've been the listener who's half listening because it takes too much work to listen well. And I can find myself being very impatient in my heart and mind when someone is telling a long story. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, describes this type of listener as one that despises his brother and is only waiting for a chance to speak and so get rid of the other person. Okay, that's really ugly and that's me at times. And he continues, he also says, but he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. He will be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of death, of the death of spiritual life. And in the end, there is nothing left but spiritual chatter and clerical condescension arrayed in pious words. Ladies, we really need the skill of listening well in our marriages. Learning to listen well is a skill that takes work. Proverbs 18.13 says, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. High quality listening brings good results, but it takes an awareness of how much people need to be listened to, plus time and practice. I mean, there are people out there who are beautiful communicators, and they may do it clearly and accurately, but they forget to listen. Someone stated that 80% of our problems would be resolved if we became good listeners. All right, so how do we do this? All right, first, we need to be attentive listeners. Sometimes the deepest thoughts take a bit of time to get to when we're talking with our husbands, I know for for us, for my Doug and I, the conversation can even start out a bit shallow, but as we continue talking, it gets deeper and deeper, and what is most important begins to get drawn out. So to be a good listener, we need to be patient. We need to silent the smartphone. Please listen to my podcast number 34 on that one. Actually, that's my number one listen to podcast, which is kind of interesting. Um, Again, truly listen well by not letting our minds get distracted, but focus on what they are saying. And also here, don't worry about what we're going to say because maybe it needs to be nothing. Don't interrupt, pray and ask the Lord to help you, not only to be slow to speak, but to be quick to hear. We also need to listen to comprehend and understand. Many times our marriages suffer communication breakdown because we don't take the time to listen well and understand our spouse. Understanding our spouses is so important because so many times issues and conflict come about because we've never taken the time to understand what's going on with them. When we don't listen well, we don't always get the full story, we may miss important details and formulate conclusions based on half the facts. This can get us into a lot of trouble. Winston Smith shared the reminder that God didn't love us from a distance, but in Jesus, he visited our world and experienced what we experienced and faced what we face. He reminded us that God's love is incarnational. God visited our world in the flesh, and in that, he has shown us that he understands us. And because of that, we trust the Lord. Mr Smith Winston Smith here gives us some ways that we can be incarnational to our spouses he says first we need to let our spouses know that we want to understand them we need to ask honest questions that we want answered not like an attorney but as a loving partner who wants to truly who wants to truly be willing to hear and learn from it we ask questions because we want to be able to fully clarify confusing points a good way to help us listen well i'm kind of i'm just kind of continuing on with this thought here but this was something i heard somewhere, and i just think it's so wise so a good way to help us listen well is to listen as if we're taking a prayer request that we're going to share with the lord and in front of maybe our small group or a church congregation that would be a good way to help us to begin to work well on listening and comprehending and understanding our spouses right so winston smith continues on here secondly he says we need to verify our understanding many times our problem starts because we think we understand but we don't it's important to put what we're hearing into our words and speak it back to our spouse to make sure that we truly understand and if you need to repeat this process until your spouse agrees with you We won't get anywhere until our spouse believes that we are understanding them clearly and rightly. And thirdly here, respond emotionally to what you hear. Not like fake emotions, (laughs) just, but truly share what they shared, how what they shared with you has affected you. And Winston Smith, he reminded us that if we're uncertain about what we've heard, to share that with them and let them know that we need a little more time to process it. And he also stated, and this is a direct quote but your spouse needs to know that you care about what's important to him Um, one way is that we can utilize philippians 4 8 as a filter to discipline our minds in listening to our spouses it's a way that we can listen to appreciate them we can see what we can see what is good in what they're saying I'm having a hard time communicating here on this communication podcast, so bear with me. I'm sorry it's evening, and I'm a little tired tonight, (laughs) so (laughs) I'm going to continue on here. So Philippians 4.8, again, when we use Philippians 4.8 as a filter so we can see see the good things that our spouses are saying, and Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When we're using God's word as a filter for what we hear, it's going to impact the way that we listen to one another. So how can you enter their world as you're listening to let them know that what moves you moves me? And we're in a better place to comment well. If we're doing this, the Apostle Paul gives us a couple examples of this in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. And he reminds us in Romans 12.15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We can do this well when we've been listening and connecting our emotions with theirs listening affirms others think of the simple task of asking someone how they are doing when you're in a store or somewhere and you take the time to make eye contact it's affirming to them that you care about what they have to say we can get so busy in our homes that we just forget to pause and just take the time to affirm our husband by giving him our full undivided attention Or what about when we interrupt them when they're speaking, what they're saying to them? Then what we are are saying in those moments to them is my thoughts and opinions are more important than yours. Or when we speak prematurely, then we are seeing them as more of a problem to solve than a person to be heard. Loving our husbands and listening well always gives them the benefit of the doubt. We need to have compassion and try to get into the world with whatever they're sharing so we see it as important to us as it is to them. James Dobson said, For some strange reason, human beings tolerate stress and pressure much more easily if at least one other person knows they are enduring it. We are to be that other person in our husband's life, ladies, to share his burdens with if you've asked a question, listen quietly and wait for an answer. Proverbs 25, 25 tells us, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Sometimes, I'm not always sure how to communicate a spe- specific thought that I want to share. But when my husband takes the time to listen and ask questions, it, it just does draw my thoughts out naturally. So give the communicator time to develop their thoughts. Listening well provides the opportunity for unrushed communication, which is very rare in our day because we're always in a hurry. Janet Dunn says, a good listener gives the opportunity to express our views without being judged, interrupted, or redirected. We feel safe and unhurried, so we are more likely to express what is really going on with us. Good listeners, concentrate on what's being said. When we give someone time and listen well and long, many times we get a much clearer understanding of how to respond if and when needed. Proverbs 18.13 tells us, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. This is where we can be too focused on ourselves when we're listening and start to formulate responses in our minds of what to say instead of just taking in all that they're sharing. We want our husbands to feel understood and valued. And many times just listening is all that is needed and they may not even want or need a response. Janet Dunn shared a story and a very helpful article of hers that I'm going to link to. It was from a discipleship journal and it was titled, How to Become a Good Listener. She said, one morning I was having tea with a close friend of mine who had come home from the mission field. In the security of her love, I opened up and told her of a deep struggle I was experiencing. I feel so alone, I said, my eyes filling with tears. It's as if God isn't there. She listened, then slipped her hand over mine and squeezed it. Her eyes were moist with compassion. He's there, she said that was her only response no theological arguments no you shouldn't feel that way condemnation somehow she knew my doubts would pass and that I simply needed to express myself so how can we improve in our communication with our husbands and really others too one way is studying the Gospels and the life of Jesus it's a great place to start Jesus was a master communicator and he could draw out the real needs of people. And the Proverbs is another great place to start. Take the time to write out some verses that deal with listening and ask the Lord to give you ears to hear and words that words that encourage your husband and build him up. When he's sharing with you, be disciplined and avoiding distractions and focus hard on what he is saying without formulating a response in your mind at the same time. Just listen well learn to ask questions that draw more out and don't feel the need to fix things all right if you're thinking i'm just not a good listener all right i'm not going to take any excuses here because listening is a learned skill like any other skill we need to learn it takes time and practice and discipline to train ourselves to listen well this is the first step in good communication in our marriages and the same article that I referenced above by Janet Dunn, she ended it with this comment. She said, it takes time and practice to learn to listen, and it takes a caring heart. A fourth grade teacher once asked her class, what is listening? After a few moments of silence, one little girl raised her hand. Listening, she said, is wanting to hear. So the hope is that we will listen with humility, Good communication needs to start with humility, and the best conversationalists we know are good listeners. These are the people that we enjoy being around and talking with, and usually because they're doing all the listening and we're doing all the talking, but they show that they really want to know you and see that they that you that they love you. So become a good listener towards your husband and he's going to begin to pour his heart out to you all right so let's move on to our next session so what do our day-to-day conversations look like we're going to talk about in our time here in this section about areas of struggle And then what do caring conversations look like? And again, this is not exhaustive. And as I was researching for this, my husband and I were just talking about that over dinner tonight, there are so many areas to cover and I didn't even know where to hone in on. But this is where I kind of honed in on because these are the areas that I struggle with. And I just felt, and that's from my Doug and I talked, just knowing you ladies and some of you out there that I get some good time to kind of chat with and communicate with, I just felt that this would fit where you are at right now so usually the issues I'm having I'm thinking in my mind are probably the same issues you're having so that's what you get when you listen to me (laughs) so again not exhaustive but I always encourage you take take a look at the resources that I list in the show notes if you want to dig deeper into this area I think about so often if someone was a fly on the wall in our homes they may wonder on some moments if we're even Christians as they listen to our communication with one another we can sometimes be very ungodly in our responses, our words can be rash and not very kind, and we can hurt each other very deeply with our words. James 3, 8-10 through 10 tells us, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With that we bless our Lord and Father, and with that we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Our marriages are not going to be able to achieve deep oneness without good communication. A strong, healthy, unified marriage is not possible without good communication. Wayne Mack stated in his very highly recommended book from me, Strengthening Your Marriage, in Chapter 4 titled Good Communication, wherever you find marital failure, you will find a breakdown in real communication wherever you find marital success you will find a good communication system i know ladies in our marriages we all desire marital success so let's pray for the lord to give us good communication systems in our marriages so when the normal conversations in our home are pleasant interactions and we have a true interest in what each other has to say this is where it has to start because when those difficult conversations come up, things like finances or issues with the kids or whatever it may be, work, whatever, and these these areas, these difficulties are going to come up, right? It's going to become easier to navigate through if we already have a solid foundation there. And I stated at the beginning that our communication is not going to be perfect. That is not a reality. But we do want our marriages to be a place where there is grace offered when we mess up in our communication with one another. We want our conversations to be known as places where we can be vulnerable and open because there's trust. We want our spouses to know that their well-being is most important to us. Even in those moments when taking the time to communicate, well, really isn't the most convenient. It could be those times when you're just really tired or you're busy. So we need to learn to set aside our self-centeredness and selfishness and communicating. We need to have a gospel perspective. Jesus is my example of putting the needs of others first and losing my life for his sake. Paul Tripp in his book, War of Words, which is another helpful read, reminds us that there is theology behind our words in the Bible. And I think to me, Genesis comes to mind first when God speaks the world into existence. And then again, in John 1, Jesus is the word, John 1, 1, right? And in Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, it says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he, cre- who he created the world. God communicates to us through his word. Second Timothy 3:16 tells us all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So we need to treasure God's word. It is the foundation of our lives. Psalm 1910 says, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Our speech is to be in the image of God, but the fall corrupted our speech. John 8 44 says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he lies, He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Paul Tripp stated in War of Words this is a pretty powerful quote, and I feel bad I'm paraphrasing it, so I don't have it directly here. But he said, Every time you open your mouth, you're speaking either in the image of God or of Satan. So we're either speaking truth and righteousness or we're speaking lies. So, When we're speaking in our flesh, it's our own agenda and we're looking at, and it's our own agenda that we're looking at instead of God's. So the goal of our speech, not just in our marriages, but all of our relationships is to speak like Christ. And we know that it's, we know it's true what the word tells us in James, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, because we know that we sin most in our marriages and our words towards one another. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many times have we spoken something and said oh i didn't mean that well that's not true actually we did right because if it was in our it was in if what i can't even get this right it was if it was what was in our hearts at that moment those were the words that came out right so they were there in my heart already what we may actually mean is i regret that i said that out loud all right when anger and bitterness has built up inside of us and the walls of our city are broken down We're going to be speaking in the flesh. And in the flesh, we cannot tame the tongue. Those verses in James tell us every other creature can be tamed, right? I mean, I've been to the bird show at Disney and I've watched a bird take a dollar bill from a person's hand. And I've been to SeaWorld and I've watched Shamu, the killer whale, be tamed to perform show after show after show. But my tongue cannot be tamed by another person, not even myself. I'm helpless i want to have good speech and kind words i think of the good moral sayings and proverbs and those little things we remind each other of in our speech you know we talk about is it good is it true is it kind but until my nature is changed there's going to be no outward change until there is an inward change so the law and the wisdom of proverbs drives us back to the gospel. We can't do this in our own strength. In the gospel, I find grace for forgiveness and true inward transformation. It is the gospel alone that gives us hope to have godly communication in our homes. Our words won't change unless they are accompanied by the work of the spirit within us. We need to know and truly be known by Jesus we need to repent of our sins and put our faith and trust in jesus christ alone for salvation right john 14 6 i am the way the truth and the life jesus said no one comes to the father except through me one way at the moment of salvation we are made new creations in christ the old is gone the new has come it changes us from the inside out and we are now able to speak words that build up and encourage. The old nature will still be at war within us, but as we walk in the spirit, we have the power to overcome. So let's work through some ways that we can find ourselves using our speech destructively in our marriages. And I'm I'm, I'm going to say, and a lot of times I'm not going to be saying marriage, I'm going to say relationships, just because again, these relationships applied to all of our relationships but i know we're focusing here on marriage so lying is a way to destroy your relationships ephesians 4 25 says therefore having put away falsehood let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another we can be caught up in this sin of lying because it was such a habitual part of our unsaved life lying can destroy our marriages Maybe we're just sometimes afraid to share something we did with our husbands because of the reaction we're going to get. So we don't tell the whole truth or we withhold information. It's so much better when the truth comes out and we can just deal with it. It's not fun to live with the guilt of a lie over your head. When we come to Christ, it's almost like learning a new language, especially if our old lives had a pattern of lying. Continue to repent of the sin and be reminded this is not who you are anymore in Christ, ask your husband or a good friend to keep you accountable in this area if this is a struggle for you the apostle paul goes from the first three, three chapters of ephesians telling us what christ has done and he now turns in chapter 4 to in light of that what christ has done what we are called to do or what we're called to put on and put off and one of those things where to put off is lying lying can be sneaky because It can be just not telling the whole story or maybe exaggerating. So be truthful in your words to your husband as this is where trust is being built in your relationship. If lying has been a part of your interaction with one another, make time to build trust, but it starts with telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Another one is watch how you speak about others to your husband, like your friends, church members, Family, gossip and slander are not just concerns when we're talking with outside, with others outside our homes, but this starts right within our own homes. Do your words about others speak well of them, or do you tear others down in front of your husband? Our example in our conversation with our husband is still Christ. James four eleven says. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Proverbs 11.9 says, With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. We need to be cautious what we share about others and how we share it. I don't want my husband to think poorly of a friend because I have sinful heart issues to deal with. So I have a podcast. It's I believe it's the very first one called Taming Our Tongues that I'll link to in the show notes here. What about do you speak to your husband in anger or rashly? Our speech should reflect Christ even in difficult times. And we're going to talk about this more when we get to the area of conflict. But Proverbs 18:6 says a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. Proverbs 29:22 says a man of wrath stirs up strife and one given to anger causes much transgression. What about do you nitpick at your husband or correct every grammatical mistake when he's speaking or correct him in public in the details of a story he's sharing or continually interrupt him when he's speaking? do you find yourself nagging him quite often or maybe even continually that you don't even realize it proverbs 27 15 says a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike do we speak at the wrong time are we sensitive to the proper time to maybe communicate an issue that's going to take some time to work through or maybe we say the right thing at the wrong time (laughs) we need to be sensitive to how we speak and also when 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, and we urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the fainthearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. All right, another way we can be a good helper to our husband is to not encourage him to sin in his speech because verbal sin is really contagious. Um, If we're grumbling and complaining or gossiping about others, it's just laying it out there. It's inviting him to sin along with us. Luke 6.45 says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. All right, as I'm working through all these struggles in our speech, in our marriages, it's reminded me on some thoughts of what to look for in a future husband, for my single ladies out there. And I'm just pondering, thinking questions like, does this person show excellence of speech? Not perfection. But is this an area? Are they honest? Are they trustworthy in their actions and their words? Do they build others up? These are good questions to ask ourselves. All right, so we looked at how difficult communication can be with one another because of our sin. We struggle with that tongue that James compares to a rudder of a ship. And that small part, that little rudder of a big ship, it controls it, right? And in James 3, he reminds us what damage this small little member, the tongue of our body, can do. So in Mark chapter five, verse, um, starting verse, well, really two there, but we have the story of a demon-possessed man. He was untamable. This is such a good picture of our tongues. They are untamable. <laughs> so just as this demon-possessed man, there was no earthly chain or morality or the law. Nothing could tame him. Nothing can tame our tongues, right? The tongue on its own is untamable, but I'm going to bring us back to the gospel because That is where our hope lies. This demon-possessed man, he was set free by Jesus. Jesus set him free. And only Jesus can set us free from this damaging member of our body. It has to be under his control. The law tells us to just stop doing it, but it doesn't change our nature. Jesus changes us by the work of grace. The gospel relates to our speech. The spirit at work within us empowers us to fight against the flesh. Again, Matthew 12, 20, 33 says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. If the tree is good, the fruit is good, right? And in Christ, we can produce good fruit. We can now read God's word and we can produce that fruit. We're dead to sin. We're alive in Christ. We are no longer a liar or a slanderer or a sinfully angry person or a complainer. I love the words, that reminder in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, and such were some of you. But in Christ, I'm continuing the verse now, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. All right, another thing, one way to start communicating well with our husbands is to learn to practice affirmation. It's biblical to affirm others. The apostle Paul did it throughout his epistles. So what are some ways? How do you see God at work in your husband? Share this with him. If you haven't been doing it and all you've seen is the negative, it's going to take some practice and the habit of refocusing our thoughts. Express to him gifts from the Lord you see in him. An example would be, maybe your husband is a really hard worker. Express that to him and tell him how thankful you are to the Lord that he's a hard worker. Sam Crabtree has a really excellent book called Practicing Affirmation. And it's not not going with the self-esteem movement when I say that, so don't think that, all right? But it focuses on how to biblically affirm others. This is a really great book to read through and put into practice in all of our relationships. It's really helpful to practice with our children, too so in our conversations with one another if we're in christ we need to be reminded of who we are we no longer have to present the members of our body to sin and our tongue being on being of the top of that list seems to be where we sin the most god's nature is in us and we've received grace so we can speak grace ephesians 4 29 says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear all right we can avoid a quarrel right and we can cover transgressions by speaking in love we're not infallible but god's word is infallible okay and in sam crabtree's book that practicing affirmation that i just mentioned he mentioned that before we can correct someone that we need to make deposits into the account of commending them and he gave it like in his book a 10 to 1 ratio that for every one correction we should have at least 10 deposits of affirmations so we need to make a whole bunch of deposits (laughs) before we make that one withdrawal okay this was another area the apostle paul was good at he always started commending the churches before he dealt with correction in his epistles our husbands they may not even hear us anymore because we are way overdrawn and all they get is correction it may not even be that they're hard-hearted or they don't desire to change to change but they've just shut us out because we failed to give any encouragement why even desire to change when all the other person sees in you is the negative think of when you were first married we were probably extremely heavy on the encouragement side but now many years later And I've shared this before because now we know one another's faults. We're together a long time, right? (laughs) We may find ourselves heavy on the correction side. Well, this shouldn't be, ladies. If this is you, I encourage you to take the time daily to write down three to five good traits or qualities you see in your husband. And can I remind you again that I've stated all throughout this podcast series on marriage of Elizabeth Elliott's 80-20 rule, right? Focus on the 80% he does right, not the 20% he does wrong. And again let me just say this here this is not ego building but affirming the good work of god in others first corinthians 4 7 is a great reminder for us for who sees anything different in you what do you have that you did not receive if then you received it why do you boast as if you did not receive it every gift that we have who we are is all by the grace of God and it's I maybe it's Jerry Bridges I don't know who said it or where I heard it but it is only by the grace of God we go so how can we have excellence of speech in our within our marriages all right what if your hubby comes home and he finds the house a mess and he just goes off on you how should you respond let me read Proverbs 15 one first before we talk about that a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger Okay, don't don't use my ver- words here verbatim, but just a thought here. Honey, I'm so glad you're home. I am so sorry the house is a mess. My day didn't go as planned, but maybe if you're up for it, we can work together to get things in some semblance of order before dinner. Okay, ladies, we can respond like this in these moments because of the grace of God at work in us. In the flesh, we would prefer to lash out and say something like, you know what, you don't have a clue what I did all day and all the stuff I had to deal with, and you could just go off on him, right? But we don't have to respond like that anymore. And also, again, the timing of communication cannot be overstated when you have something important to discuss. Probably when your husband first walks in the door from work or he's exhausted or tired or he's had a really bad day or already has 10,000 things on his mind is not the proper time. I know I don't appreciate it when someone does this to me. Proverbs twenty five eleven says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. When you have something difficult to say, using a sweetness of speech is a kind thing to do. And I'm not talking about a fake syrupy, kind of sweetness (laughs) but but words that build up and affirm the other person we're equipped to speak truth and love the problem is we usually don't take the time to stop and pause and pray before we speak to one another so because of Jesus we can have homes where we communicate with grace and peace our tongues can be tamed by the gospel Jesus came to set us free we are new creatures in Christ so what do we talk about together Well, I have a post at the blog on family conversations and also one on questions to talk about with our spouses. These are great places to start deeper conversations than just how was your day. And I'm also gonna put in the show notes, those links and one to a document from a biblical counseling resource with 240 questions in various areas to discuss in our marriages. So if you're not good at communication, maybe you can take some questions and type them out and put them in strips in a basket and choose one or two as you have time to sit and chat together over dinner or on a date night um or maybe your spouse is a good communicator and you're not okay this is me and my marriage (laughs) i have to work really hard at communicating and my doug is so good to draw me out in conversations he always has good questions me not so much all right so one thing you can do is to look at these lists in the morning and maybe grab a question or two to talk about together with your spouse. If, when he gets home, if the evening opens up to when you have time to sit and chat together, This also, if you did that ahead of time, because this is me thinking about it, it gives you an advantage to think about your answer to that question, and that's a double win for me. So in time, though, as we do this, conversation will become more natural. But again, just like the listening, it's something we need to work at. If we never do it or practice it, we're not going to get very good at it. All right, so in talking about having homes that are full of grace and peace, It brings us to the final part of this podcast today, and I can't even begin to cover all I'd like to in this, but um, I'm hoping if this is an issue you need to work on that you'll work through the resources I share, but I want to give us some things to ponder when there's conflict in our marriages that needs to be dealt with, okay? Okay we know conflict is unavoidable we are two sinners living together in tight living conditions and a fallen world so Romans 12 18 says if possible so far as it depends on you live live peaceably please, peaceably with all Hebrews 12 14 says strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord so both these verses state all or everyone, right? Your husband may be an unbeliever and he's included here too. Okay. The hope is even in our conflict that we may display the gospel in our communication. We should be very different as believers. We need to learn to overlook minor offenses. First Peter four, eight there. The hope is we would show grace and refuse to quarrel over insignificant matters make sure we're dealing with our own sin first and we're taking the log out of our own eye our pride can get in the way and this is where it can be such a good testimony to our unbelieving husbands to say in these situations here is where i was wrong be specific and ask him to please forgive you we can have humility and seek forgiveness because of christ at work in us god's word also calls us to be peacemakers not peacekeepers so matthew 5 9 says blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of god the greek word for peacemakers here means to make peace it signifies parties holding differences of opinion who are willing to turn toward each other and embrace one another in spite of their differences jesus is the perfect peacemaker between us and god warren wearsby says christians should bring peace between people and God, and between those who are at odds with each other, we share the gospel of peace. All right, so our at our attitude in times of conflict, it has to be one of humility and grace. It has to be grounded in God's grace to us. We need to be brought back to the gospel, who we are in Christ. Because of Jesus, we now have peace with God. So how can we point others to this gospel that has freed us and brought us true peace? Pride destroys peacemaking. Pride destroys about everything, right? But peacemaking takes effort and it has to be made a priority in our relationships because sin destroys. It isn't easy because of our sin. We battle pride. We battle laziness. We're going to drift apart in our marriages if we are not diligent in dealing with areas of conflict and disagreements in a godly way. Let me throw some verses here at you. Galatians five fifteen says, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Romans twelve seventeen says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Ephesians four one through four says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Okay, listen, this podcast can, even though it's going to be probably over an hour, cannot be exhaustive to all the issues you're dealing with in your marriages if you're having a really difficult time dealing with conflict in a godly way you may need to seek help from your church your pastors and your elders are there to help you resolve conflict in a godly manner and sometimes having a mediator can be a help to see things objectively we are all blind to our sin at times when two people are angry at one another they may not even be able to understand one another or even hear the other party All right, I do want to caution you that you're really careful with who you reveal conflict in your marriage to. It must be people in your life who can speak the truth of God's word, who are trustworthy to hold confidence with what you're sharing with them. Please don't go all over sharing your issues with everyone. This becomes gossip. It's not good for your marriage, and not everyone is ready to handle what you have to share in a right and godly way. All right, and again, I always state this, but if you're in a physically abusive situation, You need to get out, you need to get help from the authorities, you need to get to a safe place, and then call your church leadership, get them involved to walk you through it safely and in a God-honoring way. So most of what I'm going to share on conflict as I'm closing up here is coming from a really helpful little book called Resolving Everyday Conflict by Ken Sandy. And many of you recognize his name from the Peacekeepers book this guide is helpful to walk you through how to handle conflict in any of your relationships okay i may have messed up my words up there peacekeepers and peacemakers i'm gonna look at that and i'll correct that in the show notes if i did ladies as i'm looking at this um but ken sandy and the the peacekeepers books he um maybe i'm saying this wrong that could be but he This Resolving Everyday Conflict is like a little excerpt from that book. So it's a great little booklet to read. It's pretty packed with good, solid information. All right, so we know that conflict is inevitable. It is not avoidable, and it's going to happen most often in those relationships that are closest to us, which are our marriages. These are relationships we can't just walk away from. It needs to be dealt with. Conflict is not we can't look at it as a negative thing always, all right? It's not. I want us to remember that God uses everything to be worked for good in our lives. We can learn a lot about ourselves, about others, and about God in our conflict. We can grow in our love for one another in conflict. And I know that seems crazy, but it's true. I mean, have you ever had a conflict with your husband, and as you both work through it in a God-honoring way, came out with a better appreciation for one another and the love that you have towards one another? I know Doug and I have. It's been good. Our conflict usually begins, really, because we don't get what we want. And sometimes it can be just simple misunderstandings. That's where that listening comes in well that we talked about earlier, right? Just to understand well. So God desires unity. And the theme of the Bible is reconciliation. So as followers of Christ, we can and we are called to live differently. John 13 Um, 34 to 35 says a new commandment i give to you that you love one another just as i have loved you you also are to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another and romans 12 18 tells us if possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all ken sandy has in his book ways to apply the gospel and god's principle for problem solving to everyday life he lays out four G's he calls them like the letter G as in goat to practice or gospel that sounds better <laughs> To practical peacemaking and let me list them first and then we're gonna briefly touch on each one so the first one is how can I focus on God in this situation and that is G1 and it's glorify God the second one is how can I own my part in this conflict and that's G2 get the log out of my own eye And third, how can I help others own their contribution to this conflict? And that's G3, gently restore. And lastly, number four is how can I give forgiveness and help reach a reasonable solution? And that's G4, go and be reconciled. All right, so when we're in the middle of conflict, it's hard to get our minds focused rightly. But if you can remember those four Gs, just write them down on a piece of paper, glorify God, get the log out of my own eye, gently restore, and go and be reconciled all right it's going to help you walk through it in a godly way all right so many times our so many times our question we have to stop and ask in our home when we're dealing with conflict is how can we honor god in this situation if we would do that first it's amazing how the rest of that would be directed right this is an area that my husband and i have trained each other to think on and it's really good because usually if one of us isn't there hopefully the other one is and can bring the conflict back to a way where we're not sinning but trying to work through remembering that we love one another and we love God so how can we honor God in our marriage in this conflict but you may be alone in this in your marriage but you're still called to do the right thing ladies if your husband is choosing to react sinfully that's on him that's between him and the lord but you still have the choice to respond in a right and godly way so let's look at g1 first glorify god so how can we focus on god in this situation we're reminded that we really tend to leave god out of our conflicts and then they're all focused on what is uh, that i'm being right and my husband's wrong pride and self-righteousness builds up in my heart and i forget to look to god all right this is where that question comes in again how can i please and honor god in this situation I mean, in every situation, we're called to do it, right? We're called to do everything for the glory of God. First Corinthians ten thirty one. So first, we need to trust God and be ready to follow Him, even though it may be difficult. It may reveal our sin in this situation or where we're wrong. Second, we're equipped to obey God in Christ. We're not going to be perfect, but we can draw on God's grace and power. And thirdly, we can be imitators of God and live out the gospel in our lives. We can actually mirror Jesus's humility and mercy and forgiveness. God has not left us alone. Two more areas on this G1, glorify God, I wanna share on is a question he gives us to ask. Is this worth fighting over? It's a good place to pause after we're looking, how can I honor God, and then to think to ourselves, is this worth fighting over? And secondly, can we just overlook the situation? constantly overlooking can cause damage but we need to prayerfully weigh the situation to see if it needs addressing all right so now what if we determine that we do need to proceed forward and address it then we're going to move to g2 and that's get the log out we're going to own our part of the conflict we are so blind to our own sin we are all little pharisees at heart and battle the sin of self-righteousness we need to ask ourselves How can we own our part of this conflict? Matthew 7, 3 through 5 is a great place to start. It doesn't mean that we never talk to others about their failures, (laughs) but it teaches us how to do it properly. It's teaching us how to do it because the reality is we're going to have to do it, right? And it's to do it with humility and love for the other person. So let me read Matthew 7, 3 through 5 why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye or how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye you hypocrite first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye okay that's quite the image here right picture that log in your eye speck in your brother's eye or speck in your husband's eye (laughs) but it's clear We need to examine and deal with our sins before we can even begin the peacemaking process. I'm going to share a PDF in the show notes on this topic called the seven A's of confession that are a really helpful guideline to walk you through taking the log out of your own eye. And I also have a post on taking the log out of our own eye too over at the blog. So it's obviously an issue I deal with since it's on the blog. (laughs) So the second g we need to get the log out of our own eye we're going to own our part of the conflict and then the third g here is gently restore and help others to own their part of the conflict this part of the conflict resolution is important because it is a starting point to help others change too by the grace of God if we don't see where we need to change it's probably not going to happen so we need to be thankful when someone points that out to us Galatians 6 1 brothers if anyone is caught in transgression you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted there's other verses in scripture that guide us in correcting others I think of Matthew 18 15 and James 5 20 Because sometimes we can get a bit too eager to correct others. It doesn't mean that we just go about finding issues to correct about our husbands. But if we've determined, we've determined already if we're this far that the issue needs addressed and Galatians 6.1 tells us to gently restore and restore there means to mend or to repair or complete. It is positive and desires to make someone useful. So we want to restore them. You need to determine if you need to address this sin or it's one you need to pray for god to change that person is this sin hurting him and reducing his usefulness are two questions that ken sandy has us ask about the person or here our husbands all right what about when the issue isn't our fault or we don't think it's our that we're at fault god still desires us if we've been sinned against to pursue reconciliation it is the first step in seeking peace. Someone needs to take that first step. It is to be done out of love for the other person and for their well-being. Some last thoughts on this section were really helpful. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 25 says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth we can't change anyone we can show them their fault gently and pray for them and this verse in second timothy is a good reminder that we're called to gently instruct but it's god's job alone to change the other person Ken sandy states um, quote here he says the more i focus on my proper role and avoid the temptation to play the role of the holy spirit By repeating my words over and over and over and trying to coerce or manipulate others to change, the more often I see people listen, soften, and respond to God's gracious work in their lives, end quote. I do feel, ladies, we can fall into this with our husbands. We so want to change and we think that we can bring it about by our correcting, but we need to do what is right. And be quiet and trust the lord to work in his time in our husband's life god is working in our lives through this time too there's much we can be learning if we have open hearts to respond to him all right so our last g is g4 and it's um go and be reconciled so giving forgiveness and arriving at a reasonable solution in chapter 7 in the book of resolving everyday conflict Ken Sandy shared a short story that I really want to read to you regarding forgiveness. All right, so I'm starting this story here now. He starts with, he says, um, and actually this is, this is a, a, he's meeting with a counselee here. I just can't get over Pam's adultery, Rick told me. She says she's sorry and she's begged for forgiveness. I said I forgive her, but I can't forget what she did or be close to her again. It's a huge wall between us and I can't get through it. I'm sure you're both in terrible pain, I said, but I don't think divorce is going to end it. You'll just trade one kind of pain for another. There's a way to keep your marriage together and truly put the past behind you, but you won't find it with the empty kind of forgiveness you've offered Pam. What do you mean, empty kind of forgiveness? Rick, imagine you had just confessed a serious sin to God, and for the first time in your life, he spoke to you audibly. I forgive you, Rick, but I can't ever be close to you again. How would you feel? His eyes widened. I guess I'd feel like God hadn't really forgiven me. But isn't that exactly what you're doing with Pam, I asked. Rick looked at the floor, rustling for an answer. I continued. Imagine instead that God said, Rick... I forgive you. I promise I will never think about your sin again. I promise to never bring it up and use it against you. I promise not to talk to others about it, and I promise not to let this sin stand between us or hinder our relationship. After a long silence, tears began to fill Rick's eyes. He said, I would know I was completely forgiven. So forgiveness is hard, and this is why even as Christians, we struggle with unforgiveness and bitterness. God calls us to forgiveness, and thankfully, he gives us the grace to do so. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive we're reminded that christians are the most forgiven people in the world so we must be the most forgiving people in the world forgiveness isn't just a feeling but god changes our hearts in the process forgiveness isn't just forgetting the incident but it does mean we don't dwell on the offense Ken Sandy states it, forgiveness isn't a matter of whether we forget, but of how we remember. And lastly, it isn't just excusing the behavior. The issue needed addressed and and forgiven because it was wrong, and we're choosing to forgive as God has forgiven us. But this means you don't continually let your mind and heart dwell on the issue and continue to bring it up to your husband. At other times or in other times of conflict, we are choosing not to hold an offense against a person. This may be hard, and I want to share you this quote from the book. Basically, I'm telling you to pick up this little book, Resolving Everyday Conflict, and just read it and reread it often. I'm going to start it here. You may need to bear the impact of the other person's sin over a long period of time, this might mean fighting against painful memories, speaking gracious words when you wish to say something hurtful, working to tear down walls and be vulnerable when you still feel little trust, or even enduring the consequences of an injury. The other person is unable to unwilling is unable or unwilling to repair. end quote." Again, I'm going to share a link in the show notes with a PDF of Ken Sandy's Four Promises of Forgiveness along with the Seven A's of Confession. And they are just good reminders to keep handy. You can print it out, tuck it in your Bible or your prayer journal and refer back to it often in times of conflict. We're reminded that peacemaking doesn't always work according to the way we want it. I mean, many times we can come to a peaceful reconciliation and agreement with our husbands after working through conflict. But then there's times that it's just not that simple and the response we get back may not be so peaceful. They can become angry and maybe continue to treat us with sinful attitudes. I really want to read this whole chapter to you from this book because this is where we struggle the most when things don't go as planned. But I do want to share a few paragraphs with a few closing points. Ken Sandy says, when we can't resolve conflict, we face an enormous temptation to take matters into our own hands. We think, God's way didn't work, so it must be time to try a new approach. One natural reaction is to back away from a relationship and stop doing any kind of good to our opponent. Another is to strike back at people who resist us. Without determined effort, we inevitably fall back into escaping or attacking the same sinful responses we have worked so hard to be free from. God doesn't want us to give it up on our peace or get tangled up fighting the way the world does. This isn't the time to close the Bible on a problem, but rather to dig deeper into scripture. Our goal isn't to beat down or destroy our opponents, but to win them over, to help them see the truth and bring them into a right relationship with God, end quote. God's ways aren't the world's ways, so where do we begin with this? second Corinthians ten three through 4 says for though we walk in the flesh we are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds first we pray we need God's help we can't change hearts only God can prayer refocuses our hearts on God and his ways and Luke six twenty-seven to 28 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. So next, make sure you guard your heart and tongue. Do not go complain to others about your husband. This is sin and gossip. The more your heart dwells on the hurt, the more you will be likely to develop bitterness towards him. Ken Sandy reminds us, The state of your heart is usually reflected in the words coming from your mouth. The more intense a dispute becomes, the more important it is to control your tongue. When you face prolonged conflict, you might be worn down by temptations to give in to gossip, slander, and reckless words, especially if your opponent is saying critical things about you. Yet if you give to harsh words, You make matters worse. So make every effort to say only what is both true and helpful, speaking well of your opponent whenever possible, using the kindest language you know, as Peter wrote, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing." That's from 1 Peter 3, 9. So briefly, the last few thoughts on overcoming evil with good are to seek godly counsel. Seek out someone you can trust to help you prioritize and obey God's word first and foremost. And continue to press on and do what's right. Romans 12, 17 is the reminder here to not repay anyone evil for evil. And be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. I mean, even if other people aren't choosing to do what's right, your decision to do what's right, it honors God. And God's way of success is to be faithful to his ways. Do not take revenge. Wait on the Lord. You may need help in conflict within your marriage and have to seek out biblical counseling as we talked about earlier, to have a mediator to help you resolve it. But if your husband is not open to counseling and it's not an abusive situation, first off, you can still seek godly help to guide you and to help you walk through the conflict in a way that honors the Lord. But the reality is, change doesn't always happen as quick as we would like you know we're obedient for like a week or two and we think okay why haven't they changed hello <laughs> i come back we have to do it as right and wait on the lord i don't know his timing but i know that his timing is always perfect and there is perfect in everything even in the waiting ken sandy leaves us with the ultimate weapon deliberate focused love He reminds us that we can use the same weapon God used to win our hearts, love. We may need at times to show our husbands their faults, but there may be times that they just need mercy and compassion, patience, words of encouragement from us. When you're loving them in this difficult time, it may help them from falling into the sin of bitterness and revenge too. As we keep doing good, we remind our hearts that God's ways are best, And the hope is the Lord will use it to bring our spouses to repentance in time of conflict and disagreement. The reminder at the end of this last section of conflict is to bring it back to the gospel because as we're reminded of how much we've been forgiven, we can forgive others. As we're reminded of how much we've been loved as an enemy of God, we can love those who maybe at the moment are acting as an enemy towards us because of Christ at work in us, we can please and honor the Lord in all the difficulties of conflict within our marriages. The gospel helps us to be true peacemakers. All right, so let me close here on some verses in Ephesians chapter four that are a reminder to me of what godly communication is. Ephesians 4, 29 to 32 tells us, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. As fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Let me close here with some words from Wayne Mack. He says it's not hard for a wife to be open and honest with a husband who is lowly in mind and meek and patient it is not hard for a woman to communicate freely with her husband when she knows that he will bear with her and make allowances for her rather than condemn and demean her likewise The wife who makes it a practice to use only such speech as is good and beneficial and fitting to the need and occasion, the wife who readily and freely forgives and seeks to be helpful to her husband, will make it very easy for her husband to open up and share his life with her. In such a non threatening, understanding atmosphere, the husband has no reason for pretense or putting on a false front or practicing deceit or hiding his fears frustrations and anxieties he knows he is accepted as he is and for what he is he knows his wife is for him and will help him rather than judge and condemn him ladies kind and encouraging words toward each other in our homes begins with god's kindness towards us in christ the kindness of god melts unforgiving spirits harsh tones, and softens hearts to transform unkind words and actions into words and actions that honor the Lord. Again, my call to you is for good communication to start in our homes. Someone needs to take the first step. Will it be you? Jesus is enough always. So thank you, my friends, for sharing this very long part of your day with me here. (laughs) And for the show notes and the resources mentioned, head to my home on the web, thankfulhomemaker.com. And please take some time to camp out in the marriage series. If you haven't yet, at the top of this post for this podcast is a category that says marriage series. Click on it and it's going to take you to all the podcasts and posts that correspond with this series. If you know a friend that would benefit, I'd so greatly appreciate if you would share it with them. And I will be back again next week talking together about intimacy in our marriages. So have a blessed week, my dear friends.